We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 228. We're recording after the Yankees just finished the sweep of the Angels. It was a home series this weekend. What a, what a joke those Angels fans are. I, I tweeted from Bronx Pinstripes. I said the dirt tonight was as soft as the fans are. And <laughs> this because everybody was falling all over the place because of yeah. the freaking dirt. I don't know what was going on there. But the fans, 
the the not the not the fans in Anaheim. That's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Angels fans in L.A. and Anaheim, wherever the wherever the hell they are. An uh, an absolute embarrassment, an embarrassment of a weekend. If if I'm an Angels fan, I really have to look myself in the mirror and say, what in the hell just happened? Because that place was filled with Yankees fans. It was loud from the Yankees fans. Didi got a friggin' curtain call. It was embarrassing. The whole thing was embarrassing for them. I loved it. I loved every second of it. No longer do I fear going to Anaheim. I mean, it's been a long time, but ooh, that's that, it's been bad for the Yankees in Anaheim for many. Not many recently. Years. Not not now. Not after what I just saw. It is done. Well, they just had their first sweep of the Angels in Anaheim since '03, so it's been a long ass time. Well, you know what? After what what transpired this weekend in that three game series and the amount of Yankees fans that were in that building, there's no longer to be uh, to to be even wary of that place. It's it's like you said, in people all over Twitter and everything. It's Yankee Stadium West. That place was packed with Yankees fans. Oh, I would say it was well over sixty percent. It was crazy. It was I've never seen anything like it. It was it's it was worse than Baltimore. I mean, back in the day, you go to Baltimore when Baltimore was even like kind of good, and more Yankees fans would show up at that point too, and that place would be Yankees, Yankee Stadium South. Well, you understand it was worse that. Than that's, that. That's a two and a half hour train ride away. This is a that's I what I'm saying. All these and fans it was more packed California, than Baltimore. But, it was right. more packed. It well, was these crazy. are just this. See what we're seeing is all the Yankees fans coming out of the woodwork because the. Yankees fans didn't want to show up in 2013 when the Yankees were in Anaheim, but now this team is exciting. They saw what they did in the playoffs last year. So yeah, you got your diehards that are going to go, but now you got all the Fairweather fans living across the country, sporting their new Yankees gear. Let's go watch Judge. Let's go watch Stanton. Let's go watch Didi. That's what's happening. Yeah, there's some of that. I mean, I understand that. There's there's some of that. And I think Aaron Judge brings a lot of people to the ballpark by, by himself. Yeah. And then you start adding Stanton and now what Didi's doing and what Gary Sanchez is doing and Araldis Chapman. Like you have a, a plethora of superstars on this team. So there is, you know, there's a lot to be excited about. And if you are a casual fan and you're living outside New York, then this is, you know, one of the only opportunities you're able to see this team. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it makes sense they, they put butts in seats. There's no doubt. You know, do you remember on the broadcast, I believe it was Friday, Michael Kay was talking about how the Angels have actually a, a below 500 record at home, but they're above 500 on the road so far? I think we now, saw why this weekend. Now we know why. They hate their own fans. <laughs> and if I'm Mike Trout, don't you have to like kind of come out and say something? Like after after Didi Gregorius gets a friggin' curtain call on the road, I've never seen that before. He got, a, that is, a, that is Didi Gregorius taking his big old balls and putting them right on the table in front of Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. How do you not, if you're Mike Trout in the postgame press conference, at least throw a little jab at the fans? Because Mike Trout doesn't do that. That's not him at all. He doesn't talk about anything. He barely talks. It's just this is why he's you know happy out there because he doesn't talk. He doesn't like the uh, the attention for that. I mean, I don't even know. He's from Jersey, and I barely know anything about him because he's playing in uh, California. It's sad. You know, it is sad because he's being... You know, maybe that's his own personality and he likes it. Like Otani. That's why Otani wanted to go there, right? He's a little fisher boy from a little fisherman's town in Japan. <laughs> I just want to go to a, to a stadium that doesn't give a shit. Maybe that's why he wanted to go. He actually did want to play for the Yankees, but just didn't want to play for the Yankees in New York. He wanted to play for the Yankee fans <laughs> right. in L.A. Right. It all works out. Yeah. I was a little upset that Otani had the little boo-boo on his ankle and wasn't able to face Tanaka. Not that it would have been that much of a heated at-bat considering the Yankees had a 10-run lead in the second inning on uh, Saturday night. 
yeah so hopefully we'll get our uh we'll get all of that now when they when they come for the uh end of may series so that'll be fun the may 26th the game which we'll mention at the end but that's that's our game event for 26 hopefully otani's pitching at least batting for the love of god uh, but you know if i'm the angels i'm walking into that series right like i gotta we're, we're gonna work our asses off harder than we've ever worked to hand it to the yankees at their house if i'm an angel angels player that's my mentality at that point right i mean they embarrassed you at your at, at home so it should be a con, a contested series for sure it's crazy the yankees are 18 and 9 now they've won nine in a row they have the second best record in the american league behind only the red sox they're two games in back of the red sox right now who have kind of struggled this last week so that's how they made up all that ground but isn't it insane to think that many people were saying the yankees got off to a bad start quote unquote bad start and they, they right now, at the end of April, have the second best record in the league. Well, they did at that point. It was a, a bad start. But the, the thing is, is that everybody had all these expectations in their exactly. head. That they were going to go, you know, balls to the wall from the, from the very beginning, from the jump. And it just didn't work out that way. Uh, I still believe that there were other circumstances happening with weather and off days and all these other things that were playing into what was going on on the field. But... You know, obviously they found their groove now, and uh, a huge stretch coming up. I mean, the <laughs> we've we've had a, a good stretch so far, but now it, it just it's you double down. You go four in Houston, then Cleveland. Uh, it's it's a huge it's a huge huge set coming up early in the season, and the Red Sox are right after that. So a lot a lot of big games coming up. Well, the good news is it seems like the Yankees are playing up to the competition. Like yeah. we saw them looking lethargic and and just downright bad against teams like Miami and Baltimore teams like Baltimore's trash this year <laughs> have they won a game yet since they they left the Bronx I don't know it's it's crazy how bad they've been and the Yankees were playing equally as bad as them back in those series uh and then they they've been on a roll against some better competition you know I don't know how many how many times he's pitched since this but the last time I heard Chris Tillman, who they re-signed on a year deal, by the way, re-signed. The guy was not even under contract, and they brought him back in. They're like, oh, that's a good idea. Let's bring you back in. Hadn't won a game in his last, like, 20 to 23 starts, whatever the number is, and maybe it's still going. But yet, this is a a major league pitcher who hadn't won a a start in 20-plus appearances. That's insane. Why are you still in the major leagues? Why are you being brought back? There's got to be. The Orioles are a joke. There's got to be somebody better in their system that they can call up, right? 20 games. I could throw and lose 20 games in a row easily. Yeah, yes, easily. you could. <laughs> yes, you, yes, you could. And maybe with the Yankees lineup, you might get a win out of it. I mean, they'd, it would be a different look for them, for sure, for the <laughs> uh, other team. They're winning. The thing that I've loved about this win streak is we've seen them win in a bunch of different ways. Like, just look at this Angel series. Friday night, they get uh, the clutch runs on sack flies, and then Didi gets the home run in extra innings. And then on Saturday, they just pummel them. But they do it without any home runs, which is rare. We haven't yeah. seen the Yankees put up 10 runs ever, pretty much, without without hitting a ball out of the ballpark. And then today, they get just enough out of their offense, the two-run homer by Sanchez, but they get an unbelievable pitching performance from CeCe, and the bullpen shuts the door. So all sorts of ways this team is winning. Yeah, it seems like they're just kind of adjusting to to the flow of the game at this point. But, you know, CeCe was so good tonight, and, and he really he really stepped up for this team. Uh, they were having a hard time hitting Skaggs. Maybe it was the over the overly annoying grunting every time he threw the ball. I don't know if that was just the the, uh, the broadcast with the with ESPN. Yeah, he might have had a hot mic on him. 
I heard it later in the in the game too from other uh, relievers, but uh, you know they they do they find their way. CC tonight, um, Gary Sanchez with the with the long ball, um, and then you know putting together a game with, like they did early on on Saturday where they scored early but not scoring by the home run ball. You know it's 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 one of those things that you look at and, and you're trying to kind of you know make your mind up about what this team is early in a season. And you see wins like that where they're winning, you know, in a small sample size, in in one series, they're winning almost three different ways, and that's really, really encouraging, uh, especially when they've when they're able to do that this early. It goes to the I think the depth and versatility of this team, where they don't need to. Yes, they have power. Yes, the middle of the lineup is scary, and especially when they're all hitting, it's the best in baseball. But that's not the only way they can win, and that's why we everyone thinks this team can win a World Series this year. Well, and you go up and down the lineup. In the past, when we had the the old Yankees uh, before all the uh, before all these these guys sprouted up from the minor leagues, we had we had multiple you know, swing and miss guys. It was home runner bust. And, you know, at the end of Teixeira's career, it was home runner bust, it seemed. A-Rod was a home runner bust guy. There were just so many of these guys that were in the lineup that were, you know, with, with low batting averages and or couldn't uh, do anything but a home run. So and it was that's, station to station. It was like it was, it you was, had to have a three-run run homer. Baseball. You had to have a three-run homer or else they didn't score any runs. So you see that, and then now you have guys who are, are, are hitting more for average. There's a lot more balls put in play. Um, and you know, it's just a, it's a, it's a better mechanically working lineup. It's better. It's, it's better all around, uh, up and down. There's, there's no easy out. So that's, that's the beauty of it. Uh, you know, and, and I think what the team can do is they can sense on a given day, if the top of the lineup is struggling, well, the bottom, like, Hey, you know, we're, we're, we're freaking really good ball players right now. We can carry this team being the se- uh, the seven, eight, nine guys. We can, they could carry the team and they can, because they're that good of a ball player uh, that the Yankees are trying out, you know, lower in the lineup. So it's, it's any given day. They, they just pick each other up. And I love that. And the camaraderie between these guys real, real quick on this, when Gary hit that home run uh, and, and uh, they were showing the, uh, the dugout, Glaber Torres, who what called up a week ago, a week ago, this guy is called up is coming over spring, you know, just like grabs his face and does like some like, you know, oh, yeah. just, just some, just Saw some that. motion that you don't do to somebody unless you know them and feel very comfortable with them. And this guy's been up a week and he's a rookie. It just shows you that this team is gelling. It doesn't matter who you are, when you come up, how many years you've played. If you can play and you're committed to this team, you know, you're, you're welcomed immediately. And I love that. Uh, they have not uh, lost a game since Glaber was called up. He's, he's undefeated, undefeated in the major leagues. <laughs> Undefeated, I love it. I saw John John uh, uh, say that in our writers forum. That was it's yeah. it's amazing. It is, and this this offense is get, got me into trouble on Saturday night because they put up ten runs in the first two innings, and I had a deal, a standing deal with my girlfriend where she's just sick of watching baseball, and I kind of get that. Uh, but I said if the Yankees go up ten runs, this was a while ago. I said this if they go up ten runs, I'll turn the game off. And then she looks up. She says, "Oh, look! It's a ten-run lead, and it's only the second inning. So you're going to turn the game off." And I was like, "Ah, shit!" Kind of, I kind of shot myself in the foot on this one. Yeah, you don't make deals like that. I, I, I have, um, I, I have yet to make a deal like that because uh, I know it will come back and get me. Um, I just, I just made sure that Bevan now watches the Yankees and <laughs> likes the Yankees. The, the key is here. If you, if you're doing, if you, if anybody who's listening or you have uh, some uh, a significant other that is not into baseball or not into the Yankees specifically, 
what you have to do is find out what they're into. And that's what I did with, with Bevan. She doesn't watch. She, she's a, she likes sports, but she never really watched baseball. So I got her into the background of the players. And I got her emotionally involved with the, the people on the team. And that is what got her. That was the, uh, the linchpin. Now she likes watching because she's invested emotionally with the backstory of all the players. I gotta try it's like, that. It's like the Bachelor, man. You gotta, you gotta relate. You, know, you go like that way. I gotta, I gotta try that tactic out. Yep, it's, a, it's a, it, it works. <laughs> uh, Sanchez has been hot. Twenty-one RBIs in his last fifteen games, and then we talked about the home run he hit, the the absolute moon bomb he hit on Sunday. But he had the walk off home run on Thursday that that kicked off the actually capped off the Yankees' homestand, and that was a game that looked like the Yankees were going to lose, and Kyle Gibson was nasty. He no-hit the Yankees into the sixth inning that day. And then out of nowhere, Sanchez saves the day, three-run homer off Rodney, and and that kind of just once again got this team, pushed them with this momentum that they seem to be having right now. Yeah, it was it was freaking awesome. The, it, the team was, for all intents and purposes, dead You know, throughout – uh, through the sixth inning, getting no hit by freaking Kyle Gibson. And um, you just felt like if you just get another opportunity, another opportunity, another opportunity, like there's there's always that chance that one of these guys is going to put one in the seats. And that's exactly what happened. He he did not miss. <laughs> he did not miss. He smoked the ball. It was a good He's pitch, been... too. That was, if you look at like the pitch track, it was it was not a bad pitch by, by Ra- Rodney. He just beat him to the spot, Sanchez did. Hooked it down the left field line. How old is Fernando Rodney? I don't know, 400. He's old. He's been around for a long time. I can't, I'm, I'm surprised he's still uh, a closer in the league. I think he blew another save over the weekend, too. It doesn't surprise me. He's not very good. <laughs> no, the Twins, man, the Twins. They, they, their record since 2002, the Yankees are 82-31 and 31 against Minnesota in the regular season since 2002. Yeah. That's yet insane. Another, yet, yet another embarrassment. That is insane. Um, and... And that uh, Sanchez, what he's doing right now, because you still see the low batting average, but the RBIs are there. So he's been yeah. kind of cleaning up what, what maybe Stanton has not been able to drive in. Well, yeah. He, I mean, the production is for sure there. The, um, he, he's, he's been an extremely productive player, even when he's struggling. And like you said, the batting average isn't there. He's still doing what he needs to do at key opportunities, too. I think that's one of the biggest things is you're seeing opportunities where uh, you know, obviously the the walk off was the uh, you know the crux of the the opportunity when your when your back is against the wall and you got to score runs and he um, hit a good pitch and put it out of the out of the park and won the game. Like the guy is is coming up in big situations and you know he's getting sack flies. He's um, he's doing what he needs to do to get the runs in. So uh, the batting average is going to come because he's such a skilled batter. Um, if you listen to a Rod, he's a he's a mesh between. David Ortiz and Manny Ramirez <laughs> with his evil little freaking sinister laugh afterwards. Like, come on, bro. <laughs> uh, the hate is flowing. Oh, dude, right he drives now. me insane. I cannot handle it. How does anybody handle that sinister little laugh he has? That little, like, little, like, annoying cartoon laugh. It's like, I cannot handle it. His mannerisms drive me insane. Uh, I just got an update on my phone that Otani is going to pitch next weekend, which maybe that'll line him up for May 26th. That'd be nice. That would be nice. Uh, Let's talk about the sixth inning debacle on Friday night. And Angel Hernandez and his crew had an absolutely atrocious weekend. So just quickly to recap the situation, 
Stanton was on second. Didi was on third. Walker hit a deep fly ball to right field. Calhoun robs him. It was probably a home run or at least an extra base hit. He thro- Both runners are tagging. Calhoun throws to second. And the umpires call Stanton out. Said he left early. They do allow the run to score, though. They allow Didi to score. So the inning is over, but the Yankees get a run out of it. And that's where everything just broke down because no one on the field seemed to know what actually happened because Stanton's standing there saying, no, I tagged. Replays showed it looked like he tagged. Boone Boone was kind of just like standing there with his arms up like, what the hell did you just call? Somehow the second base umpire made that judgment call that Stanton left early when if you also look at replays, he wasn't really in a good position to make that call. It was just a complete cluster. You know, that that play, first of all, the the like you said, the, if the um, one, the umpire was in a position to make a call, uh, wasn't in a great position to see if he actually left the bag earlier. It, you you watch the replay, and, and we have replay in baseball now, right? Like, that's supposed to be a thing. And it's supposed to make the game more clear and, and get the calls right. That's the bottom line, is to get the calls right. You hear it all the time. And... Everything was wrong about this. Everything. The fact that you couldn't challenge certain plays. The fact that you could only challenge one of however many situations were happening. The fact that Boone was going out there. Do I challenge the fact that the that Didi or that um, Stanton left early or didn't leave early, or the fact that the run scored? What am I challenging if I were to challenge something? It's it was a complete miss on the umpires. And I got to tell you, when I'm looking at the rules and I go back to, to, to the rule book and you look exactly what that situation was and by the rules, what is supposed to happen? Like in, in that play, the, I, I don't understand. The, I understand the timing play uh, on situations like that, but I don't, I don't really understand how a guy, even if they were to leave early, how somebody can score on that play like that. It's, it is a forced play theoretically, but it's still a timing play for the umpire where they have the judgment call at that point where they can say the run scored before uh, the, the guy was doubled up. The, the rule to me by the, by the book is confusing as well and leaves way too, much, uh, way too much control for the umpires on a play like that. But the bottom line is that replay could have cleared this up 100% easily if they said, okay, let's replay that play and get it right. Yeah. But you couldn't do that. Well, why you, why look, couldn't you do that? Nobody knew. <laughs> nobody knew. You could. And nobody was clear on what was actually happening. Like right. even the broadcasters were saying weren't really didn't really know what they called on the play on the field. That was the big problem. The big problem was miscommunication. It wasn't necessarily that you couldn't challenge. It's that no one was communicating what actually happened. So then Boone only has thirty seconds to make a decision if he wants to challenge or not. He, like you kind of alluded to earlier, there's three components to that play. It's Calhoun's catch, it's if Stanton left early, and it's if Didi scored. So Boone said after the game, I was most concerned with if Didi scored. That makes sense. The run is the most important thing. But if he had just challenged that, that wouldn't have made a difference for if Stanton left early or not. If he had just challenged Calhoun's catch, all it would have mattered was did Calhoun catch the ball. So he would have had to challenge did the run score, but he didn't want to do that and then have it overturned. So see, here's, here's the flaw in that. The flaw in that, if you're, if you're challenging that Didi's scoring, then part of the reason if Didi's scoring or not goes into the timing play on if Stanton, uh, if Stanton tagged in time. or if Well, they, it does and it doesn't. Tag. It doesn't, it doesn't, because all it really matters is when did Simmons put his foot on the bag to, to call him out at second. It doesn't matter when Stanton left. 
Well, that's the thing. The, the point is he put his foot on the bag and, and that's what you're looking at. But what if he tagged? Then it doesn't matter if you put his no, foot on the bag. It's irrelevant. Yeah, it kind of all breaks. It, obviously, it, it's a, po- a play in baseball. Everything flows together. And that is the problem. It should. Okay. Right. This, you this have to cluster, challenge the play. This cluster that just happened on the field, I am challenging that. You shouldn't have to pick and choose what you're specifically. Right. Components uh, of a play. Reviewing. Right. Exactly. And they called it a sacrifice double play. And I think what you were talking about earlier is that what is that? That doesn't make any sense because if it's second if it's um bases loaded, one out and the ball's hit to an it to the shortstop and he goes around the horn for for a double play, the run doesn't score. Is yeah, that what a, is that what you were kind of getting at yeah, earlier? I, I, yeah, I I think it's a dumb rule. I think it's a dumb rule because if you leave early and uh and they they go back to, to second base while the ball is still in play and he, the runner's called out. That's a force. You don't have to tag him. It's a force. The run shouldn't score at that point. And this is a baseball rule that, that I think is bad. Um, but at, at the same time, if you do it after the play and you um, appeal to the base, at the same time, if he left early, if the umpire calls him out at that point, run shouldn't score. Like, why would that run score? It makes no sense. I, I don't really understand that rule at all. Like I understand the timing play and maybe there's other situations that I'm not thinking of in this moment that, that, that comes into play. But in that particular situation, it's uh it, it makes no sense. The bottom line is here's one of the things that I think they, they really need to change with replay in situations like that, where, where honestly nobody has any idea what's happening. There needs to be someone from who's watching the game from New York or whomever saying we're challenging the play. We're going to get this right. We're going to make sure that this is right. And it, it shouldn't matter. It should just, let's get the play right. Because that's the, the, the reason why replay was there. It's not for the, the, um, to, to put the, the managers in situations where, you know, they have to re- replay, replay something in order to get it right. But if they don't, then they're just going to leave the, the play on the field. Like, that wasn't the, the, the purpose of it. The purpose of it is to get the play right. So if that is the purpose, then there should be some kind of an over, over someone watching the game, someone who's in, in New York or wherever they are saying, okay, we need to replay this because it's not right. Or the crew chief saying we need to replay this if they're unsure at all. I agree. And I think the the reason that MLB put in the 30-second rule is so that managers don't delay. And they're so concerned with pace of play, they don't want to extend the game anymore. But what we find ourselves in in these situations with a lot of these replays anyway, that it's taking three, four, five minutes. So what's another 35, 40 seconds on that? I'd rather have the play right. Either don't have it at all or just get the friggin' play right. I think we say that every time uh, one of these weird challenge situations comes up. Well, that's the biggest thing. If you're going to implement replay and it's going to be this part, this big of a, a part in our game now, then you got to get the, you got to get the calls right. If they're, if they're that clear, I mean, it, you could have, they could have sorted this out. They could have gone to the rule book and said, this is what it is. And, and, and at that point they could have gotten the, um, the call right on the field as the, the rules states, right? They could have, they could have had that. The umpires could have said, um, you know, they, they could have looked, they could have said, Oh, he, 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 uh, tagged up no problem runners advanced everything was fine there was no problems with that play actually there this whole thing shouldn't have happened because everybody did what they were supposed to do uh when they were supposed to do it and and it would have been the end of that and the yankees would still have been up on plays like these why don't um have to explain themselves like nfl refs have to get on a microphone and explain why they called pass interference or or whatever happened uh, in a play in an NFL game. I'm not saying that an ump has to do that every time there's a, a play on the field, but when something like this happens, there needs to be better communication. Everybody needs to be on the same page from both teams. It, it, you can't just be guessing. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that they would implement anything like that in game. But after the game, I got. I think they should be, uh, you know, open. They should have to give a statement on this, and I'm sure they did. But they should. There should be. But it doesn't. A it it really doesn't matter after the game because the play's over. And it. Well, I mean, once the play's over, it's over. It doesn't matter anyway. Like nothing. Nothing that you can do will will change what happened. So who cares? It's you got to have a short memory at that point. So. Mm-hmm. It, in one way, the Yankees got lucky that the run scored because if you look at the replay, I think Simmons put his foot on the bag before Didi put his foot on home plate. But the Yankees also got screwed because Stanton actually did tag up, and they should have right. had a they should have had a runner on third base with two outs and a run in. So yeah, it was it was the Ump's got it wrong on every way they could get it wrong. Is yeah, it was a, it was a it was a terrible play. It and really, I'm and, so and, happy, and there was nothing to be called. That's the that's the worst part. There, nothing should have been called. Right. I think nothing. Simmons duped Angel Hernandez. I think Angel Hernandez was the guy uh, at second base at that point. I think he actually duped him. I, I didn't see enough of that. I don't know. I don't know if he duped him or not. I mean, if you don't see the guy tagging, I mean, that's that. who cares what Angel, what, what Simmons did? It, it's all about when... Well, it's Stan like Simmons acted so emphatic that he had the ball, like they, that he put his tagged him and that he left early. That Hernandez was like, yeah, yeah, he did leave early. Well, then you didn't see Stanton at all. <laughs> right. if that's the case. I don't think he so did. The fact that he duped him. If you're saying that he duped him afterwards by by trying to sell a play that has no bearing on anything, because the only part of that that has any bearing on the situation is if the, the runner left early or not. Nothing to do with the shortstop. Then. You know, if that's Angel Hernandez, if he was that guy, then yeah, he needs to be, um, he needs to be dealt with and, and fined or something because that's terrible. That's a that's a bad baseball play. I'm just very happy that that didn't come back and bite him in the ass because it, it could have. The Yankees got the the sack fly out of Gardner to tie that game up late, and then Didi again coming up huge. Just like I I was surprised. Like I said on the post game recap video. I was surprised when Didi hit, Didi hit the home run, and then I thought about it for a second. I'm like, no, that makes sense. That's what Didi does. Yeah, I mean, he's been phenomenal in, in, in big situations. Um, and I'm glad, I'm glad it went down that way. I'm glad that they won the game, obviously, and it didn't cost them anything because it would have been such a sour taste, and it would have been... It definitely would have been the biggest story if they had lost this game. Even if they had won two of three, I still think we're talking about that one that got away because of this debacle uh, by the umpires. And and I, I put this on baseball as well because they, they really don't have this replay system figured out well at all. And, you know, if, if all of us are watching this game and, and, can, and, and can identify that, why in the hell in some, someone in, in the freaking offices in New York, in the league offices, can't identify the, the situations that they're having and, and you know, put them all in a file and after the season audit the living shit out of everything that happened and fix it? It's not that hard. Yeah, they're a little too rule happy. Like you tweeted out the picture of, of like the image screenshot of the rules and there's like 50 sub bullets to this thing. It's crazy. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's confusing. And, you know, you have to go back to look because a lot of them blend together, so... Yeah, and you think some of these old-time mumps actually remember all this stuff? Like, are they tested on this on a yearly basis, do you think? <laughs> I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. You have to be because it's, it's, it's an extensive rule book. And, you know, there are, are so many different small little plays that make a difference um, given a situation that, that you know, has uh, a lot of bearing on the outcome. So you got to be up to date with every single one of them. 
Uh, one thing I was curious about this weekend was how did Tanaka follow up his really good start against Minnesota? And he pitched well on Saturday, six innings, one one run, only two hits, nine strikeouts, two walks. He gave up a solo home run to Cozart. But then you also have to understand that he had a 10-run lead after the second inning. So yes, it's great. The results were there. But the Angels also weren't really trying. So so I now I'm pushing the how does Tanaka follow up his two good starts to the Houston start because that's really going to be a, a big test. Yeah, I, I think there's some of the things you look at is, you know, it's a different game. Obviously, when you're up 10 nothing at that point, you're going to be a lot more aggressive. The Angels are going to be swinging a lot more too. Um, but he threw a lot more fastballs and that also could be indicative of, of what was uh, going on in the situation. Like you're trying to get the ball over the plate, you're trying to get, you know, you're not trying to um, nibble around the um, Sonny Gray. You're not supposed to, you're not around to, see if, if Sonny Gray were pitching, <laughs> he would have, he would have nibbled still. 105 pitches in four and two thirds innings if he was yeah. pitching in that game. Yeah, pretty much. But, um, you know, it's look, you see another a start like that. You see him going aggressive, throwing that fastball. Yeah, I think part of your concern, too, was that he didn't have, uh, you know, he couldn't throw the fastball because he was scared to throw the fastball. And, you know, maybe he's proving to, to everybody and he's still throwing the fastball. Even in a 10-run game, I mean, if it's, if it's not good, it's still going to get hit. And, and it really didn't. I mean, he struck out a lot of guys. So it's, uh, it's good to see that, you know, he was able to follow it up. I think he needs – he's – proving to himself that he can still throw the fastball i think that's the biggest thing see i don't think any of that is is accurate (laughs) i think it's all game plan i think it was all game plan and they went away from the game plan and got too carried away with the breaking stuff and just went down a rabbit hole it was game plan against the miami marlins who have one major league hitter to throw all sliders and splitters i have a hard time believing that i don't i think it's game plan for tanaka period and they started doing that they have a game plan no matter who you're playing yeah they'll tweak it given the the opponent but they're going to go in with a plan for every single pitcher, and they know like the, the the style and the type of things that they're going to do. And I think that they got too off speed happy with Tanaka. And I, I think that you're going to have a, a relatively similar game plan in the way that you throw, especially a, a guy like him. Um, and then you tweak it to to you know whatever the team you're you're playing. So I don't know. I think it's a a, a change in strategy. Is that maybe what Sonny Gray is struggling with too? Is this different type of game plan in New York versus in o- in Oakland? I I have a hard time believing that because it doesn't seem like he's throwing. He he throws a lot of different pitches. Uh, you know, it's not like he doesn't throw the fastball or he doesn't throw um, certain breaking balls. He's throwing all of his pitches. He's just not throwing them over the plate. He just can't locate anything. Yeah, it's uh, he's he's screwed between the ears right now. I think I think he's I think he's worried. My personal opinion is that I think he's worried about re-injuring himself because of the elbow injury. I think he's still gun-shy from that injury. And that's a big problem. It is a big problem. And I think that his mechanics are suffering because of that and his confidence are going along for the ride. And and I I think he needs to, uh, you know, just let his body take over and pitch the way he knows and if he gets hurt, he gets hurt. The uh, the last time out for Sonny Gray was the mechanics change, right? That was the first time he, he went out there with a me- mechanics change, or was it two starts now? With that the was mechanics? two starts ago. The two last starts. one was okay. with Romine, and he right, right, right. was, you know... I mean, Equal, equally as bad. He Everybody was coming, and I said this in the, in the post-game video too. I'm like, I, you know, part of me was like, mm, okay, maybe I could take something out of this because I did see better pitches on, on certain times. Uh, like, like I said, you, if you take certain pitches and you remove them from the grand, uh, you know, from the entire uh, game, like those certain pitches were executed well. And I hadn't seen that, you know, in some of his other starts. So, 
you can, even listening to to what they were talking at the end, Boone and and Gray, like they were all like, "Yeah, step forward." I'm like, "Okay, whatever the hell you gotta tell yourself to to you know think it's a step forward, that's fine. Just make sure it's an actual step forward the next time you're coming out." Right? Can can everyone agree that it's a step forward other <laughs> yeah. than just you? Yeah, let's let's all be on the same page with the next one and actually perform well. That will be good. And it's it's frustrating because Sonny Gray, just look at what CC did tonight, where Sonny Gray has three times as good a stuff at CC at this point in his career, but CC still attacks. He still throws fastballs and he throws strikes. And yeah. he had seven innings, one run, a lot of soft contact. I believe ESPN had the stat that CC has the second best uh, exit velocity against rate uh, in the major leagues. He's given up five total earned runs in his five starts, so his ERA is 171. 97 pitches, so we saw Boone let him go out there for the seventh inning, throw a little bit more pitches than his last couple times out, which I thought was a fantastic move by Boone for a couple reasons. One, CC was going really well, so push him a little bit. Two, uh, it allowed CC to attack the bottom of the order in the six, in the seventh inning, and then right. you have Chad Green for the heart of the order. And I think that was a big part of why he came back out. I think if, if the top of the order was up, we wouldn't have seen CC in the seventh. Uh, Agree, but the but the fact that the bottom of the order was up, um, you didn't have Mike Trout coming up to be, uh, up to bat with a one run game. That was uh, much easier for for him to make that decision. But um, he pitched well. He you know like that's the type of thing that you love to see because it, it's your manager getting giving the confidence uh, to the player, but then the player getting the managers back at that point saying like, okay, you let me out here for the seventh. I haven't done this in a couple years. I don't the seventh inning. It's been a while, um, but I'm going to perform. And, and now, you know, I'm showing you it's, it's like a, a return of confidence back and forth. And I love that because I think that's important early on. These guys are still feeling each other out. They're friends. Like, don't forget that everybody, I think sometimes forgets the fact that, that, uh, that Boone and CC are actual friends off the field as well and knew each other and played together in Cleveland um, as well. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of trust in that relationship. Yeah, we learned that on the broadcast tonight. See, you're bashing the broadcast tonight, but we got a lot of gems out of A Rod in that team. I like Vascurgeon. I think he's very good. We learned we learned that A Rod's favorite moment of being a teammate of CC was was his midsummer barbecue every year. Right, right. And I was telling you before we started recording that's that uh, A Rod's that guy who gets invited to your party that you didn't want to really invite to that party. And is the only guy that is talking about the party years later saying, oh, yeah, I remember I was at that party just to just to make sure that people know that you were at that party and <laughs> you were there, even though nobody wanted you there, but you were still there. It's like in the office when Michael gets the Evite by accident from Jim and it's like, yeah. ah, crap. Now, now we have to let him come. Yeah. You think Jeter was going to those barbecues and he's like, Cece, really? You had, to, you had to invite Alex. Why? Why is he here? Who do you think was the wildest teammate at those barbecues? See, I'm thinking um, back to 09 when like uh, Cano and Melky were still on the team and friendly or, or and friends and they were the young kids. They they were probably doing some weird shit. No, I, I, Robinson Cano was like, uh, I can't see him doing anything weird off the field. Melky, maybe. Mel, I mean, Melky's making up fake websites and, and like printing <laughs> fake IDs at these parties. Uh, AJ Burnett's a weird guy, so I'm sure he was doing weird shit. Right. Um, all right. Some injury updates. Greg Bird took on-field batting practice and sprinted. So that's big news for Bird and his sprinted, foot. Sprinted slowly. <laughs> sprinted for Greg Bird. Sprinted, yeah, was is a light, sprinted in, in quotes. Is a light jog for the average person. <laughs> uh, Brennan Jury played in a doubleheader, and we actually mentioned him in a mailbag question coming up. 
Um, so he played in a doubleheader. He's actually had a pretty good rehab for yeah, Scranton so far. And we have, uh, like I said, a lot of mailbag questions about Drury and what the Yankees are going to do when he returns. Uh, Ellsbury, still no on-field activities, and he may never play baseball again. <laughs> I don't think he's going to. I think we're going to see another injury. I- I'm going to... You know, I don't like to laugh at injuries, but at this point, I don't really believe that they're actual injuries. But we're going to hear some other random-ass injury after the, um, the what does he have now? Something in his Plant, Plantar fasciitis. Plantar fasciitis. I mean, those, plantar fasciitis lasts a long time. I mean, if you think about, like, running backs to plantar fasciitis, that, that takes, like, you're never, you're not the same for the entire year. It's not quite like, as bad as turf toe, but it's almost isn't it the bad. same. Isn't it the same thing? I thought it? turf toe is plantar fasciitis yeah oh what's I thought, I, I thought it's just like the sexy the non-sexy version of saying that okay and what what is gout gout is you drink too much beer and david wells i don't know if it's the first thing i think of is you drink too much beer and you get gout it's when you're or you eat too many like uh, i think fish Fat, fatty foods or something yeah 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 i'm like my father-in-law Cla- yeah uh so 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 ellsbury does not have gout does not have gout no no, no. But, but he might he might it might come up in a couple weeks in july uh, he might have gout that that could happen or you know it might be he might have an extra bone in his foot now it's he like had, a, he it's got it's a contagious he got the he got the extra bird bone yes. from greg bird they installed the extra bird bone into <laughs> yeah. ellsbury's foot uh can ellsbury give bird his speed because uh that's really the only thing ellsbury's good for frazier is ellsbury put, has no speed with uh with turf toe okay ellsbury with turf toe versus uh greg bird in a race who wins Oof. Uh, I think Ellsbury still will win that race. I agree. It will hurt, but he will win. Well, I don't know about his pain tolerance. Yeah, I mean, actually, it's probably not really injured, so he would smoke him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Frazier is playing down in Tampa. He went two for four with a homer. And then Tommy Canely has resumed playing catch. So, you know, the long list of injuries that were hurting this roster for a while and were one of the reasons why the Yankees got off to that bad start, um, they got a lot of guys coming back within the next... You know, short period, a week or two, and then in a longer period, maybe when when Bird and, and those guys are back. And Bird's talking about May at some point. I mean, that's that's what you you read, you see, and read what he's been saying. That you know, towards the end of May, like well, that's, that's that's his time week. frame. Uh, well, end yeah. of May, yeah, yeah, yeah. In May, at some point, I, I'm, I'm saying at the end because there's no way they're going to rush him back. Uh, you know, I think June is probably more realistic. I wouldn't be surprised until if it was around the All Star break, though. Uh, but, you know, they're going to take it slowly with him for sure. Well, the beauty right now anyway is that if um, if uh, when Tyler Austin is back, if he's still playing, and then if you get Drury back and you can shift him around the infield, maybe you can take your time with Greg Bird to make sure he's 100%. Yeah, because I think it's important. I think it's important for him to be back when he's 100%. Like, there's no doubt about there's nothing wrong with his foot. And if that's an extended uh, stint in the minor leagues at some point, just to get that extra, um, the extra, you know, reps and, and put the extra stress on the on the foot to actually test it for a, a longer period of time. If the if this team's going well, I got no problems with that. I, I think it I think it'll be uh, big for his confidence too, knowing that he's tested it, he's done everything he possibly can, it doesn't hurt, and now he's going in with a full head of steam into New York. And that's what bit him in the ass when he tried to come back the first time last year, right. is that he wasn't 100%. It's just so important at this point in his career and at this point with you know the whole situation with him and the Yankees. It's, it's, been, it's been one disappointment after another, and it's all, it hasn't been because of you know, his, uh, his, his play. I mean, yeah, because of the injuries, but it all goes back to the injuries. It, it all goes back to the injuries. So you, you better make well, damn well sure that he is uh, fully healthy 
and, and, and able to come back, um, you know, and giving, giving it his best opportunity to, uh, to succeed. So Yankees are heading into Houston with a ton of momentum right now. Rematch of the ALCS. The Astros are the team everyone thought they were going to be first in the AL West. So this is going to be a fun four games in Houston. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be a big series, you know. Early on, it's it's uh, it's it's coming, so I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, first, especially if Sonny Gray pitches well on Monday, because that's gonna be a big factor in how I feel about everything. It's gonna it's gonna you know get us going, or it's gonna piss us off beyond belief. And even though we've won nine in a row, none of that matters if Sonny Gray comes out and throws up a, a complete joke of a uh, of a performance again, because he's he's done it too many times already, and he's. He's not that pitcher. He shouldn't be that pitcher. He's never been that pitcher until he came to New York. So he needs to uh, shake the shit out of himself and get get rid of this, the yips or whatever the hell is wrong with him. And I still think, despite the nine wins in a row, that unless Sonny Gray gets his act together, this team is not going to go where we want them to go. He's a he's a key cog to this team. Absolutely, he's a big part of the team. Uh, I think what's helping us right now is we're seeing really good pitching performances out of CC and Jordan Montgomery, and it's masking what. Uh, the problem with Sonny will be later on in the season. And Severino, we we kind of glossed over Severino on Friday night, but he was he was fantastic, very economical. He gave up the the three runs in the seventh inning, or two, I think it was two runs in the seventh inning. I, I forget exactly, but he was very good again. Yeah, I mean he's. I mean I didn't mention him in that list because it's a given. Like this guy has has come out this year and just been that dominant guy. And um, even when he's not on his best stuff. You're seeing him able to 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 go in, um, and uh, you know I think he had one performance. What it was a couple, two or three starts ago where he Against got Boston. into the fifth inning. Yeah, was that he was bad that day, um, just overall bad. And you know that's going to happen. You're going to have bad starts. But he comes back, and and then this the the last start when he didn't have his best stuff, but still going out there and um, and and pitching deep into a game. That's huge. So it's Sonny versus Charlie Morton, Monty versus Verlander, Severino versus Keuchel, and then Tanaka versus Lance McCullers on Thursday. The Yankees do not face Garrett Cole because he pitched on Sunday for the Astros. Um, quickly before we uh, move on to mailbags, May 26th event. We were talking about it earlier, and we've reminded you guys every single episode. So there's no friggin' excuse for you to not have your tickets at this point. Yeah, come on, get them. If you haven't, make sure you get your group. I know I've been talking to some people on Twitter as well, have been DMing me who are getting their groups together. Um, start filtering them in so that we can get the t-shirts and everything ordered earlier. I'm going to get them ordered earlier this this time so that we, everybody has them in hand 110% for the 26th. Uh, I will have a cutoff date at some point in the uh, next week or two for, for getting those, um, those t-shirts for game time, but definitely I'm, I'm looking for it. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, we're going to the brewery. You get a beer along with the ticket, 68 bucks, the t-shirt, a beer, the pregame party at the brewery. And then obviously the game ticket, uh, in section 205, 206, uh, versus the angels. So it's going to be a fun day of baseball. It'll be an actual home game against the angels. It, it will be, a, it will be another home game for against the angels. Yeah. All right. Stay tuned for mailbags, which we recorded four hours ago. <laughs> Okay, guys, let's get to mailbags now. And just full disclosure that Scott and I are recording these about 20 minutes before the Sunday night game. So for all stats, for all that kind of stuff, just take that with a grain of salt, knowing that we are doing it before the game here. Because we know, Scott, if if we say a stat incorrectly, we're going to hear about it. 100%. But 
Sunday night game. It'll probably be over at midnight. (laughs) We're going to record some of it early. The first one's from John Mazella from our Facebook group. And he says, I know Gardner is well-liked, but it is time for him. But is it time for him to bat down in the order? Hicks or Torres can lead off. I just can't see him make another out anymore. And he's right. Gardner has not had a good start to the season. He's batting 217, which is 20 for 92. His OBP is still solid, 345. So the guy's still getting walks. He has 18 walks on the season. It's just the hits have not been there for Gardy. Yeah, and I think when you look at the OBP, that's the biggest number for him, honestly. Uh, from For a leadoff guy in this order, you need to get on base. And it doesn't matter how you get on base. The The fact is, is that Gardner still is giving you an extremely professional at-bat. He's working the count. He's doing his job. He's, uh, he's, he's good on the base paths. You got all the mashing guys behind him. So who gives a shit how he gets on base? As long as he's getting on base, that's the only thing that matters, honestly. Um, but the fact that he is that veteran guy, he is, don't forget guys, he is like the leader. Uh, you know, they, they called him their captain last year. He's not the captain, but he was their captain. So this is a guy that has a lot of clout in this, uh, in this, uh, in the dugout and, you know, the longest tenured Yankee, he's not, he's not going anywhere. He's the leadoff guy and he's going to stay the leadoff guy. I would be a lot more concerned if he wasn't having good at bats and wasn't get on, getting on base, but it's just the hits haven't fallen for him because I looked right. up some of his, his advanced stats some of his rate stats he's actually walking a higher percentage of the time this year which which tells me he's seeing the ball well and he's having good at bats and he's not striking out anymore his batting average on balls in play is significantly lower than his career average it's 275 and his career average is 314 so right there tells you why his batting average is so much lower and he's also his BABIP is also lower than league average which I I forget I think it's like 297 is league average so maybe he's had some bad luck situations so let's just talk about Babbitt for a second here. For everybody <laughs> I knew you'd who, like that one. Because we've talked about this a number of times. And this is one of those stats that I actually don't mind because I, I think it's telling um, when, you, when you look at the, the numbers compared to what the batting average is. And for those that really don't follow the advanced stats, is, uh, the, the bat, why don't you explain Babbitt because um, I will probably butcher it. Batting average on balls in play. So basically, it's when the ball is connected, when there's contact and the ball is put in play, what, uh, what, what percentage of them are outs and what percentage of them are hits. And yeah. the batting average will tell you the same stat, except for it, it will tell you the, um, the, the difference between the hits and the outs. So it's telling the fact that you're, you're seeing how many balls were put in play. And then you can actually deduct almost that uh, or deduce that. Yeah, there is some bad luck into it when you're when you're seeing it. You know, I think when you you can when you're looking at the BABIP and you're looking at the batting average and you're comparing the two, you can start looking at some old Chase Headley numbers in the sense of you know what is the uh, the velocity off the bat? What's the exit velo? Because his, if you remember, was like negative for exactly. a, for a little while. Things like that. You you can you can kind of then say, okay, this guy's putting a lot of balls in play, but they're not hit hard. So maybe that's leading to me he's not making good contact. Or, well, yeah, they are hit hard, but his BABIP is low, so that's hard-hit balls, but they're going at people. Well, we're not saying either of those scenarios, because I actually don't know if Gardner's... No, but I'm just trying to paint a picture of, of why that... I think it's, uh, it's a, it's a, it is, I think it's a very good stat. I agree, and sometimes you see guys have good BABIP luck. Like, remember when Ben Gamble was hitting, like, 360 last year for a little period of time, and his batting average on balls in play was up over 400, yep. and you could kind of deduce that it's a little fluky, that batting average. And and maybe you think Gardner's BABIP is going to come back towards 300, which is where his career average is, and then that batting average creeps up 30, 40 points, and then boom, you've got a normal Gardner season. So 
I think until he, I think he's there for at least the foreseeable future in the leadoff spot. Although one thing we are seeing is he's sitting a lot more against lefties, which is not what, I mean, the way Girardi used him, he would be in there most days, like ready or lefty. Well, and I, I think Boone is also trying to conserve his legs and they want, they want to make sure, Gardner's a streaky player. I mean, we've, we've known that for a long time. When, when he's not right, he's not right and he stays not right for a while. And if he gets beat up, he will play through these injuries uh, and you You'll, you'll assume that he's hurt somehow or just, you know, sore or whatever, but he just keeps playing because that's the way he is. And while I appreciate that, he's definitely not the same player when he's beat up, especially at this point in his career. So, um, you know, he's a guy that's not going to be uh, when he's going well, it's he, he's, he gets really hot and you start seeing uh, the very, very good Gardner. But even when he's struggling, like right now, I'd say he's struggling if we're looking at the numbers. But still, at the end of the day, a struggling Brett Gardner is still getting on, bra- on base a lot and is seeing a lot of pitches. And that is what I want to see from my leadoff guy in this particular order. And he had a nice at bat pinch hitting for yeah. Ronald Torres the other night on he Friday to get, to get the sack fly to tie the game. So I'm still seeing when, when Gardner's up there, I don't see him overmatched. So, so I think yeah, I the hits are going to come for him. Uh, what do we have next? Next is from uh, Gavin Mulcahy. He says, are the Yankees comfortable with Shreve as their main lefty out of the pen? I think Chapman's left-handedness is underutilized with him confined in the ninth inning. It would be one thing if it was our only solid guy out there, but Robertson is an established major league closer. Why not give Robertson the ninth, use Chapman in more of an Andrew Miller role? Um, Chapman Chapman swag doesn't deal with anything but the ninth (laughs) inning. Chapman swag is a ninth inning guy. He is a ninth inning guy. I'm sure there were talks about that when he re-signed with the Yankees saying, I am the closer. I don't want to be anywhere else um, unless you're just the worst pitcher on the team, which he was for a little bit last year. Uh, But yeah, he's the ninth inning guy. That's, I mean, of anybody, he's the guy that's going to be the closer. Uh, I think Robertson actually gives you more flexibility. There's a few things to unpack with this mailbag. First of all, it's that I am much more comfortable with Chad Green or David Robertson coming in and trying to clean up any fireman situation, any Andrew Miller type role than I am Chapman. I don't know about you. Yeah, well, Chapman's not built for that. I mean, that, that kind of right. goes back to what I was saying. He's a he's a ninth inning guy. He's better with their, when there's no runners on. Um, and, you know, he's he's used to blowing guys away with without runners on. So it's not what he's used to. And secondly, Trace and Shreve has very quietly had a really good season so far. 11.1 innings pitch. He's faced 48 batters. He's only given up one earned run, which is a .79 ERA, and he struck out 16 guys. So this is the Chase and Shreve that we saw at the beginning of 2015, where it, we were was like... Was it 15 or 16? I was just going to ask you that. No, it was 15 was because 15? I, I, went back and, I went back and looked it up. I mean, he spent a good amount of time in the minors in 16 and 17. Yeah. But the first half of 2015, yeah. Shreve was actually one of their best relief pitchers and he came over from atlanta and that was at the manny banuelos trade and we're like damn the yankees kind of just stole shreve out of nowhere and then he fell off the face of the earth it was uh it was shreve but the main target in that trade if you remember correctly was uh what's his face david johnson david who was the right-handed reliever that came over that was just the worst guy of all yes carpenter david carpenter carpenter yeah Yeah. 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 and he He was he was the highlight of that trade he was the highlight of that trade he could throw like 100 miles an hour, but it was straight down the middle every single time. He was terrible. He was, he was completely awful. I uh, just completely blacked him out of my memory. Yeah, yeah. He was, I mean, he was Chase Headley for you before Chase Headley was He Chase was. Headley. Go back and listen to some 2015 <laughs> podcasts. I went on some epic rants about Carpenter. Yeah. Um, but no, Jason Shreve has had a, a good year for sure. He's, uh, he's, he's definitely found that spot. And, 
you know, I think when we were talking about this in the offseason, you know, the I think the importance of having a lefty out of the bullpen was, you know, not high on the priority list because of the of the overall talent in the bullpen and, and guys that can come in and still pitch against lefties. I mean, David Robertson is still good against lefties. Um, but the fact that Chase and Shreve is now putting together this early season that he is, you know, it's more of an asset. Now Boone has that matchup guy that, that he can go to as a, um, a lefty out of the pen. So it's, it's a very good thing. It makes the bullpen even, even better. Uh, and also about the Andrew Miller role, I think that's, that's he's not even really used as what we think of the Andrew Miller role. That, that got overblown because of the 2016 playoffs when Francona would use Miller in like the fourth inning or the ninth inning or the twelfth inning, whenever he needed him. But in the regular season, Miller, especially this year, has been pitching like a traditional relief pitcher. He's a, 10 innings in 11 games, and he's only appeared in the 7th, 8th, and ninth innings. So I understand that he's not their closer. They have a closer. But, Mil- but Miller is, is being used more traditionally as like a David Robertson role or a Chad Green role um, in the regular season. And, and Miller is not... I mean, the, uh, Gavin's asking about having our main lefty out of the pen. Andrew Miller is not dubbed as the main lefty out of the pen. He's the main guy out of the pen. He's, it doesn't matter. The, the matchups for a guy like Andrew Miller don't matter as much. You're not bringing him in uh, for the for, for only a lefty-lefty matchup and then taking him out. Like He is a guy that can pitch to right-handed batters and get them out. Uh, and we have guys like that. They're not left-handed pitchers, but when you look at Tommy Canely when he's right, uh, but you look at David Robertson, um, Chad Green, like these guys are, they can pitch against you know a lefty or a righty. So we, we, we kind of do have that guy, uh, but specific to your question, Shreve is the only lefty out of the pen, but I don't think it's, it's used. He's very different than Andrew Miller, I mean, by oh, a lot. Yeah, I mean, you I, can't more, compare. More, the role is really. very different, though. The role is very different. Sure, Shreve is still trying to prove himself, I think. I Shreve, think you mean Shreve is a matchup. Shreve actually is a matchup where Andrew Miller is not a matchup guy. And and I think that you, you, you ride the hot hand with Shreve, but then you understand that this thing could blow up at any minute. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. I, And I, I'm happy Shreve is pitching well. I'm sure Boone is thrilled. And he's actually picked up, Shreve has picked up some of the slack that we saw when Canely was struggling, then Canely went on the DL. Batances has been uh, all over the map at this point. Like, you don't know if he's going to come in and strike out the side or just give up everything. Walks, home runs, errors, stolen bases of home. I mean, he's just a complete wild card. So Shreve is, has given them, he's picked up some slack there. Yeah, you got to give credit for the kid, you know? Doing, doing well, doing his job. Good for him. The next question is one we got from like 20 different people. It is about Brandon Drury and the first base, third base situation. Uh, so thank you, Toy Thiveridge from our Facebook. Is, I think his name is Troy. Troy? Yeah, yeah. Not, not Toy. <laughs> did I say Toy? I meant Troy. That's okay. Yeah, uh, Marta, uh, Nerdy McGurdy, Seth, Jason, Brian, and Ryan for all submitting uh, questions about Jury did not want to think we were ignoring you, but basically they're asking what do the Yankees do when Brendan Jury and Greg Bird are both back and healthy. And Duari can't take him out of the lineup because of the way he's been performing. Do they DFA Walker? So all of these things are in play with the infield. Yeah, and uh, our one of our guys, Tom uh, Hanslin, just wrote an article about Anduar and the you know the the decision being very easy for the Yankees at this point with Drury coming back. You don't take him out of the lineup because this, you know, this guy has solidified himself as the third baseman for the time being, and um, I'm sure I, I bet he's even, you know, earned himself some leash as well. This is a guy that's going to be the third baseman of the future, they think. So they're gonna now that they've seen what he can do, they're gonna they're gonna give him every opportunity. 
the nice thing about Drury, one, he's hitting in, in the rehab so he can see and he's not having these headaches, which is good. Right, but did you hear what he said about it? He said that, yeah, this happens all the time. I can see again, but then it'll just come back out of nowhere. Yeah. I, well, hopefully they've, they've actually narrowed it down because it seems like they, they, it seems like they caught the, the, the root of this problem, right? We'll see. Yeah. Um, but he's hitting well. And, and the nice thing about Drury is he is a lot more flexible than Anduar. So he can actually go and play second base if need be. He could play a bit of first. I know we, we looked it up. He only played one game last year at first. Yeah. But he's got the ability to go around and do that. And I think that's um, you know one that's 100% going to keep him on the roster. He's a, a very valuable player. The Yankees traded for him for a reason. But I don't think it's a, it's a question at this point, who's the third baseman? Yeah, and I know you said Andujar is the third baseman of the future, and he's hitting like it certainly right now, but Drury is only 25 years old, and Brian Cashman traded for him, loved him as a player, loved him at third base, so Brian Cashman maybe three, four weeks ago thought Brendan Drury was the third baseman of the future. Yeah, it's possible for sure, and I I think there was still skepticism out there with uh, Andujar and how he plays defense and all the things we've heard about. You know, I haven't seen any of that. So, so far he's been as advertised with the bat and better than advertised with the with the glove. No, uh, I mean, better than advertised all around. I mean, yeah. 12 doubles in 19 games, that is ridiculous. Yeah, but he was hitting like, what, 600, 667 last year? So, yeah. Well, let's put it this way. <laughs> if, if Andujar is this kind of bat that you put up with mediocre defense at third base. Yeah, but again, I'm not seeing mediocre defense. I'm seeing a guy I'm that, not can, seeing that, can, it either. that can play but you the position would. just fine. Yeah, you, you, would would. Accept, you would accept that. Right. If he's if he's hitting a um an ex- if he's getting a double every single day and I saw your tweet about changing his name to double like Madonna. It's yeah. it's interesting. You should think about it probably. How do you say double in Spanish? Cuz that would probably be more accurate for what he would want. I don't know. I, I don't have the answer to that. It took like 19 years of Spanish, still have no idea. But it's uh the way double. he's going. Double. Double? Did you just make that up? Dob- or doble. Okay. It's probably doble. Doble? I don't know about I just that one. Just googled it. D O B L E. The the fact is, Andor is uh, is taking this job, you know, with a stranglehold and is is doing nothing to say that you know it's it's in at risk at all. But Drury, who is hitting well right now in his rehab assi- assignments, you know, he's a talented ball player. He can play other positions, so he's got a very valuable uh, role on the sp- on the on the team still. The thing is, though, when Drury is ba- is ready to come back, they will activate him and put him on the roster. So who comes off the roster? I don't know who's going to potentially a pitcher. Uh, I think that's probably going to be the first move. But mm, that see that see this team with the way their starting pitchers are. I don't think they go one bullpen short. I don't know. I, I could see them doing it for a short time to figure things out. But so the one guy I think is is uh, who has been playing very well is is still on notice to the to the fact that you know we need to see longer uh, production is is still Tyler Austin because. When when Bird does come back, and I know we'll, we'll be talking about him, but when he does come back, he will be the first baseman. And then you have Tyler Austin taking up a roster spot who is the backup first baseman. Well, if you have a guy like Chris Drury who can play different... Brand, it, Brandon, Brandon Drury. Drury. You know how many times I've done that? The <laughs> hockey player Chris Drury. Brandon Drury who can play different positions. Um, then he becomes more of a flexibility p- uh, potential for... For Boone, so I, I think that's that's the the battle right there. I think Tyler Austin really has to continue to play his ass off uh, to keep his spot long term. Let's read the question from Matt Duncan, Duncan right now. He says, "Could Tyler Austin be a long term solution at first base?" And as long as Greg Bird is on the roster and, and healthy, and I know that's a huge if. That might be the biggest if we've yep. ever said on this podcast. But I don't see Austin beating out 
uh, Greg Bird for first base. And that is really the biggest thing against Austin at this point is his, he doesn't have flexibility. He can't, I guess he could play right field, but yeah. you got two right fielders already. So Austin is really relegated to first base. And that's a problem if he's only a backup player, especially when, like you said, Drury can play all over the diamond. You've got uh, other players who can shift around. You don't have that flexibility with Austin. Yeah, and I think it's one of the big knocks on him. I mean, he had such an opportunity last year to take this thing, you know, uh, take the first base job and really, really just go with it. And he couldn't stay healthy, unfortunately, for him. Um, and and now we're seeing when he's healthy, when he's right and getting a lot of at-bats, like he's, been a, he's been a very good player. He's been good. You know he's he's not a a great defender, but he's a he's a an, I'd say an average defender, um, maybe a little bit above average. But he's he's a good bat. He can go the opposite field, so his swing actually does play to Yankee Stadium, even though he is a right-handed batter because of the home runs. I mean, if you look at his home runs, the majority of them are they're Apo tacos, man. They're going to right field. The, the guys and they're all in field. huge spots. Like he's got something crazy where it's like yeah. nine out of ten home runs either tie or put the Yankees ahead. You could tell he's 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 wired differently, you know. Oh, he's, he's a wired. hardo. Yeah, he's, he's a big time he's, hardo. He's definitely wired in the way where he wants that big at bat. He wants the big situation to go up and uh, and to take advantage of that point. So that doesn't surprise me. It's great that he is that guy. Um, but yeah, like you said, the you know the it's it's the defensive position at this point, and the fact that Brandon Drury is there and can play first base, I think will will definitely hurt his long term um, his status. Unless unless of course Greg Bird cannot come back fully healthy and stay healthy well let's just play the game out and i understand don't give me the cop-out answer these things always figure themselves out someone else will get injured i understand that and that is probably what will happen but let's assume everybody stays healthy knock on wood you have greg bird and brendan jury back that means two guys have to come off the roster um so again i think it's it's going to be a a bullpen guy and then i think tyler austin's the guy that that will come off see i don't think think they're gonna i think at this point and I know the and a lot of people want to say Neil Walker, but I think at this point with Tyler Austin having minor league options, they're going to keep him uh, because that gives they're going to send him down because that gives them flexibility. And the fact that the Neil Walker maybe he broke out, maybe there's some little bit of a breakout. I mean, eventually, he's going to. He we, got we, screwed on Friday. We've I mean, been, he did. We he's, he was hitting the ball hard. We've been saying how many for how for how long this guy is a professional hitter this is his mo this is his his uh the back of his baseball card says he can hit over a long period of time so i i still expect him to hit at some point and i think this just buys more time for them to um you know to add more flexibility because he's a guy that can play multiple positions well i think there'll be a breaking point with neil walker where if it's mid-june and he's still not hitting and you have bird healthy and you have jury healthy they might just cut their losses and they might regret it because then someone else might get hurt and then neil walker would have been a nice player to have but i i can't imagine they're going to just keep trotting out neil walker if if everybody other than him is hitting no i agree but i i see i just think it's it's been so long that he hasn't hit that we're about to see a, a hot streak from neil walker yeah, because, no, and Friday night kind of indicated kind of... that. He hit a ball really deep to left field with two runners on and got caught at the warning track. And then he got robbed of a home run. And then the whole debacle play, which in the future we will talk about, which you guys already heard past <laughs> in this podcast. Um, so you already know our feelings about that, even though I haven't stated my feelings about that. Yet. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, this is confusing. <laughs> yep. Next question from Josh. Uh, Pazer, Pazer underscore Josh on Twitter. What do you think Tyler Wade's role is going forward? I think Tyler Wade's role going forward is going to be the prospect shortstop on another team. 
Um, <laughs> I don't think he has a, a role on this team. I think if injuries were to play, like we were just talking about, if you look at hypotheticals like that, then yeah, he can he can come in and slide in. But um, I I just I don't see him uh, as a long term anything for any position. Uh, you you look at all the positions on the field, ones that have have full time roles, and Tyler Wade does not fit in any one of them. If you you potentially talk about a, a utility guy role, which is the the X factor, the the additional um, guy on the bench who can go out and play multiple positions, uh, that is a is a role that he can fill potentially. But we have a guy who literally is leading the major leagues in batting average, who is in that spot right now, can play uh, different positions, and is. A, a guy that they depend on and know that they can depend on. So I just don't see a spot for him. Um, do you think we'll ever see Tyler Wade on the Yankees again in a non-September call-up situation? Yes, because I, because injuries happen so often, I, 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 I think that will happen at some point. Unless there is a, a trade. You know, unless, unless he has a really hot week in Scranton and Brian uh, Cashman gets some, some phone calls and he, just, he, he unloads when, uh, when he can. But I think he's going to be the uh, the subject of a lot of phone calls between general managers. Yeah. Yeah, and it, I, I feel bad for Wade because he's a nice kid and he played his ass off in spring, won a job out of spring, and had a chance. And he just – he has not been able to put it together. Don't feel bad for him because he's going to get a better opportunity somewhere else. I mean, play. I don't – I mean, it's all relative. He's still a major – he's still a professional baseball player. Yeah, so. but he's – I'm saying if I'm Tyler Wade at this point in my – where I'm looking at my career and looking forward at, at what's happening on the Yankees right now – I, if I want to be the best baseball player I can be and the best major leaguer I can be, for me to have, you know, not not just a, a glass ceiling, I need to get traded and I need to, I need to go somewhere where there's there's a there's actual opportunity to to play in the field at, at a full time spot because I think if he were to get full time at bats, I think he would be a better player. We said that though, and he kind of got full time at bats in the first kinda, two weeks of the but season, but didn't. But kind of, I don't know. Yeah, he was yeah. he was still wishy washy with his role. And it was also 30 degrees half the game, so yeah. who it knows? Was a, it was a bad stretch. What's the final question? Uh, last one is from Tim Sinet at Tim Sinet on Twitter. Uh, how common is it for a manager to not wear a jersey during the game? Here's a picture of Boone in the sixth inning on Friday. You can't see it, but I can see it. Uh, he says, yeah, sometimes managers are seen wearing hoodies or jackets in cooler weather, but Boone just had a T-shirt over a thermal. What are your thoughts? And I, so actually, actually, I actually tweeted about this because I noticed it as well. Yes, and I... Googled, because uh, I know it's not, obviously it's not a rule that the managers have to wear a jersey because Boone would have been in trouble for that. But I was just kind of wondering why some guys do it, some guys don't. And I actually uh, Googled and I got a little history lesson. So back in the day, managers used to be called captains and they would sometimes play, which is why they had a traditional uniform and number. You said back that, in the day, like, what are we talking here? Like, like the 1895? Yeah, exactly. 1895. <laughs> and then as baseball evolved and it got into the modern era... Uh, managers were were just that. They managed the roster. They managed the player changes, all that kind of stuff. They no longer played, but some of them, many of them, still adopted the tradition of wearing a uniform with a number because Boone is assigned a number, mm-hmm. but, he, but sometimes he wears it. I know he wore it on opening day, but normally he's just in the warm-up, the warm-up suit there. It's pretty funny. If you think about if you think about this, if you think about it in, in a different way, like take your, take your mind off of what you already know from baseball. Think about sports. Is there any other manager or coach, head coach, in any other sport that wears the uniform? No. Nowhere. Look at football. They don't ever wear the uniform. Hockey. Hell no, they don't wear the uniform. They wear a suit. Basketball. Suit. Like, this is a very abnormal thing for the guy who's in charge to wear the same uniform as the players. It's not, it's not something 
that is, is done across other sports. But we're so used to it and so used to seeing it. I'm used to seeing the jacket or, or the uniform. Um, and that's what I tweeted about when I saw him walking out. I'm like, what is this, spring training? This is weird. Why are you wearing a T-shirt? And it just caught me off guard. It was, a, it, was a, it was an odd thing to see. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, he could do whatever he wants to do. It, it, there's no rule against it. So, well, is just, it uh, not what we're used to. Is it more stupid for a, a coach or a manager to be wearing a suit, like in hockey or basketball, or to be wearing a uniform, like in baseball? I, I don't know because at this point I think it would absolutely look ridiculous if I saw one, if I saw a hockey if I saw a hockey coach wearing like a jersey. Well, if they if were saw, wearing full pads and skates, yeah, it would be no, ridiculous. No, 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 just the jersey would look stupid. If I saw <laughs> if I saw a, a football coach on the sideline wearing a jersey, come on, like that would look absolutely ridiculous at this point. We're, we're well, you so remember, used to seeing things that it's you know our heads are are, are trained a certain way at this point. You remember when Jack Del Rio would just wear the leather jacket with the slick yes. back hair? I, see, that was legit. I like that because uh, Tomlin did that too. I think uh, Tomlin on the Steelers would do that as well. Uh, but no, that's he a, wears he wears like the the old Letterman jacket. You're right; it didn't have the leather. But he would he would wear the jacket with the sunglasses. Like he had kind of an old school '70s look, and yeah. uh, you know they have a little bit more flexibility. Boone's so just going would, outside the box. What should baseball managers wear? Because they would look utterly ridiculous in suits. I totally agree. No, I have I have no problem. It, it's like the football. Uh, it's like uh, the the football coach. The football coach wears whatever paraphernalia of the of the team, but doesn't wear the uniform. And, and I'm good with that. I, I'm fine with what, whatever he wants to do. Honestly, I, I really don't give a shit. It, sh- it was just odd to me because I saw it. And it, it stood out in my mind. I'm like, this looks different. Why is it different? Oh, he's wearing a shirt, not a hoodie or a a jacket. Not even a hoodie, but a jacket or the uniform. So Girardi I always wore his uniform. Yes, he did. But but he's like a military, yes. you know, button up. He probably had his suit, his uh, uniform dry cleaned every day too. Yep, yep. And you know, like he was very always just wanted to get in the game. Like he yeah. was so close to just putting himself in the game half yeah. the time. I, I mean, he, he had it dry cleaned. He had it pressed, laid out in plastic every day. Like that thing was ready to go with his uh, regimented breakfast in the same place on the same hangar. You know, brought to him by the same guy. Like there were a lot of things like that. Aaron Boone in the picture that we're looking at is blowing a bubble, <laughs> not giving a shit, wearing a T-shirt that says Yankees on it, and just uh, you know doing doing what Aaron Boone does because he's never managed a game in his life and he kind of looks like it. <laughs> what would you wear? Um, I'd probably wear the uniform under something. But or, what about when on I don't a July think I day it gets to be ninety-five degrees in the middle of July? You don't want to wear layers. Yeah, so I may. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I would, I, I would probably wear the uniform because that's what I know. I don't know. I'm a traditionalist in the sense of, you know, I, I'm, I like doing what I've seen and, and what I know, and that's what I know. But I don't have a problem with anybody who does something different. I would, I would whatever, whatever is like, like whatever streaking at that point. Like, I don't know. Maybe Boone has been wearing this exact same T-shirt for the last seven games, which is why they're on a win streak. Yeah, maybe. maybe hopefully they're still on a win streak. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't know. I just don't have a problem with it. If, if anybody has a problem with it, they should really, uh, you know, take a look in the mirror and, and no, re- re- readjust, readjust their issues. All right, guys, thank you for submitting the mailbag questions. To do so, go to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. You can tweet us at Yankees Podcast, and you can also join the Facebook group by searching the Bronx Pinstripe Show in Facebook. We're up near 1,000 members there, so definitely get in there. A lot of good in-game action and just... 
Everyone's always posting something funny in there. Also, call the voicemail line. We're not doing voicemails this week, but hopefully next week there'll be a good batch. Call it up, 646-480-0342, and we'll talk to you guys on Thursday. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.